You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Good morning, Houdat Nation. We are rising and grinding today on week five of your NFL season. The two and one and three Saints taking on the two and two Seattle Seahawks for a noon kickoff in the Caesar Superdome. Uh, in a little bit, we'll be getting the second uh, London game kicking off. Uh, between the Green Bay Packers and New York football giants. Get those fantasy lineups set early. Yes, exactly. And, and Jeff, I know you had the privilege of being in here for a pregame show at 4 a.m. last week. A little bit different starting at an 8 a.m. is more welcoming. Yeah, I, I prefer it. Let's do eight. Let's do four a.m. every week. You know, everyone wake up early. I don't care what time the game kicks off. We're going to be in here at four a.m. talking Saints. Everyone wants that, right? No, no, nobody, nobody does. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to watch an eight thirty game. It's going to be kicking off. So as I'm talking to you, I can just be distracted by the football game. That's always fun, right? Right, keeping up with your stats. Yeah. Well, hopefully the Saints team is not distracted today because man, oh man, we need a victory in the worst way. I know everybody. Uh, the the last three weeks have been rough just because I don't care what anyone says. When your football team's losing, it affects your entire mood the entire week. Uh, and for us especially, too, having to talk to these guys uh, in the locker room, we've been hearing all the right things, how everyone's not pressing the panic button and that there is still, um, I guess you would say, heightened uh, a heightened sense of urgency, as they put it, uh, going into these games. But, man... Uh, one quarter of the season done, and you would think, I thought they would at least have been 2-2 two and two at this point. Unfortunately, thus those we're going to hear it constantly over and over being driven into our heads because it is what it is. Lead the league in turnovers, and you're second in penalties, and that's obviously a recipe for losing. Yeah, you show me a team that leads the league in turnovers and is, you know, top three in penalties, number one in penalty yardage against. I'm going to show you a team that doesn't win a lot of football games. And uh, that's what you have with the Saints. I mean, you there is a common denominator in all three of these losses. Heck, there's a common denominator in all four games. Although you can point to the fact they won the turnover battle in week one and they managed to come out of that game. And that's the frustrating thing when you watch this team. It could be 4-0, right? You can say that about a lot of teams. Oh, you could have won this game. You could have won that game. In this sense, you you it is accurate. Like, they could be 4-0. They could also be 0-4. These games were all close. And when you're playing close games, which this team is not a dominant football team. It's going to be playing tight margins. You win those games by playing perfectly. You win those games by playing smart, by not hurting yourself. And it's what, it's what this team did. At the end of last season, if you go back and you look at how they finished the season 4-1 and one with Taysom Hill at quarterback, the biggest thing they did was not turn the ball over. In Taysom Hill's first start, I think he turned the ball over four times. In his last four starts, he did not turn the ball over once. And they won all four of those games. And so hmm. that's what you have to do. And obviously the Dolphins game, notwithstanding, <laughs> because half the team was out. Alvin Kamara was the only Saints player that I think started that was actually in the game, it seems like. But yeah, I mean, that's... It, you know, you can go around the locker room, you're talking to everybody about the exact same thing. They're giving you the exact same answers. They know 
um, what they need to be doing better. And, you know, the thing that we heard from Alvin Kamara was that I thought was interesting was, you know, he's saying it's, it's the captains. You know, we can talk about the coaching. We can talk about all that. The captains and the players themselves, they need to be self-policing this stuff. And um, I don't know how much of that has been happening, right? You, this is a team that's lost a lot of leadership over the last few years. There's no Teron Armstead anymore. There's no Malcolm Jenkins anymore. There's no Drew Brees anymore. You know, you shipped Marcus Williams out of town. These are voices in the locker room. C.J. Gardner-Johnson. These are voices in the locker room that in the past would probably, you know, they see something going on. They're going to say, hey, cut that out, you know. Uh, and in this season, I don't know if you've had that as much. You know, Ryan Ramchek, as good as he is, not a very vocal guy. Right. Right. So, like, th- that's what you are battling right now. I don't know if Alvin Kamara has always been the most vocal player in that locker room because you've had so many vocal leaders. And so I think that's that's a deficit they're trying to make up right now. You mentioned a few names there, like a Taysom Hill who has full practice the last two days. So his status is... Uh, all clear from that rib injury, which is a huge positive. But Alvin Kamara, limited all week, still a questionable also with a rib injury. But when we talked to him in the locker room, all smiles saying that, you know, he's good to go, ready to play this week. And that's obviously huge for this squad, uh, especially against the Seattle team that he's lit up in the past. Yeah, and there are a few other few other roster moves that we could make note of before right. we get too far into this. So the Saints are bringing back Malcolm Roach from injured reserve. He went on before week one, so you have to stay on for four weeks and you can come back. I think you can bring eight players back this season, so he is the first one. And then you have guys like Alante Taylor, maybe Trevor Penning late in the year that we are expecting to get back. Now another guy who you're going to have to wait four weeks on, PJ Williams went on injured reserve with a quad injury, so he's going to be out the next four weeks. The Saints did elevate Chris Harris, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's worked into the slot and maybe Justin Evans works more at free than he has so far. Um, the other moves, you have waived Tony Jones Jr., which you know shouldn't be that big of a surprise. He was a healthy scratch the last two weeks. And you have also elevated Keith Kirkwood, friend of the program, <laughs> uh, to the active roster for the game. Again, so as we know, as we have established in the last week, that is a practice squad elevation. He is not on the roster. So when he goes out and catches eight passes for 112 yards and like gets Someone signed off the practice squad Monday, by the right? Panthers, <laughs> um, that's just just so you know, that is what that is. That is a practice squad elevation. The same is true for Chris Harris. You can have two of those per week. We broke this all down on the Inside Black and Gold podcast this week. Go check it out. And nice so plug. That's where, you know, that Latavius Murray, not in town anymore. He got signed up the practice squad. If someone were to get signed up the practice squad this week, it would probably be one of Chris Harris or Keith Kirkwood because they balled out. So keep that in mind as you watch this game today. Yeah, I didn't see. I know Jameis Winston was listed as doubtful. He has not been ruled out by the Saints so far, right? I'm sorry, who? uh, Jameis Winston, when they put out the new roster elevations, there was nothing about him being out for this game. Yeah, he's he's doubtful. I think they just didn't bother to. Like last week they did. Last week, maybe because they were in London, you know, they got ahead of it early and they ruled him out on Saturday. They haven't done that this week. But if if I had to put a percentage on whether Jameis Winston plays today after not practicing for two full weeks – um, I would put it at zero percent. There might be there might be like a a percent of a percent, but he's not playing, guys. Don't don't hold your breath on that. Yeah, and the fact that we didn't even see him at the media viewing portion of practice, he wasn't even off to the side doing anything. I'm sure getting plenty of rehab work for that back and ankle issue that he's dealing with. Uh, also out for this game, Michael Thomas, another big miss, still second, dealing with that week. toe injury. Right. Um, hopefully. We get him back sooner than later kind of thing. Dennis Allen would not give any kind of timetable on can't guard Mike's return. Uh, Out also, Peyton Turner, uh, the defensive end, and guard Calvin Throckmorton. uh, Questionable for this team, Marcus May, Andrus Pete, 
uh, who I think they re- could really use back, obviously, in the mix to get all their starting yeah. offensive linemen. And also questionable, I mentioned Kamara, also Jarvis Landry, who was limited on Wednesday, Thursday, and then didn't practice Friday. And I kind of was saying to you, like, oh, great, you know, he had a setback, and you're like, oh, maybe he's j- they were just resting him. And Dennis Allen did mention the fact that he is still hopeful yeah. that he'll pl- be able to play today. Well, his exact words were like, I actually feel pretty good about Jarvis. Right. Which doesn't give you – it gives you good vibes about Jarvis. It doesn't give you great vibes about some of the other questionable guys. I'm sure Alvin's going to be out there, but it was funny because it was like, that's a good indicator of just how the health has gone for this team. Where He's just like, yeah, we actually feel good this time, guys. Let's let's get it going. I thought, though, it was interesting after, obviously, that. Yesterday we get the elevation of Keith Kirkwood to the active roster – does that mean anything for Jarvis, you think, in your mind? I mean, I think, you know, anytime you go into a game with an ankle injury, you have a chance of aggravating it. Right, exactly. Right? You're already without Mike Thomas. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's just you need bodies. Like last week, or no, was it? I think against the Panthers two weeks ago. Yeah, that was the game Jarvis went out, Mike Thomas went out. By the right, end of exactly. that game, your wide receivers, you know, Traquan went down with a concussion too. By the end of that game, you were down to Marquez Calloway and uh, – Chris Olave, essentially, as your wide receivers, you didn't have anybody else, you know. So that's why you bring up another body just in case, you know, injury strike again in the game, and you need somebody to throw the ball to. Yeah, and this team, you mentioned Chris Olave has been that big, bright, shining light, uh, <laughs> looking like everything you know worth trading up for in the NFL draft, at least to grab him. Because uh, when you talk about offensive production, he's definitely the guy that has been leading the way for this squad, and. I, it seems to be developing more and more each week, which is obviously a huge positive, but and getting pl- plenty of attention in the fantasy football world as well because he is that guy right now with a guy like with uh, Michael Thomas out the mix, especially. Yeah, and he's probably I think the odds have tilted in his favor if you, uh, for the rookie of the year voting. Which yeah, you'd be hard pressed to find a better rookie of the year option after four weeks of the NFL season. I mean, he's been a star, um, and that's. For all the things that have gone negatively for the Saints to start this season, at, at the very least, you can point to the fact that, okay, they went all in for this guy in the draft thinking he is the guy we want. And so far, that has looked like a very prudent decision, very prescient decision. So you can give him that. And next year when you're not picking in the first round of the draft, <laughs> you can you can look at that and be like, yeah, we got him last year. And hopefully Trevor Penning could come in and, and be that guy too. But, uh, yeah, that is that is one bright spot of this season. Hopefully it's not the only bright spot of this season. Yeah, you mentioned that with the no first-round draft pick. Obviously people are still holding out hope that now Sean Payton gets traded anywhere, somewhere, just so the Saints can hopefully recoup a first-round pick. Uh, and I've even gotten some folks wondering – Hey, do you think there's any shot that Sean could come back next year to the team after, <laughs> you know, m- you know, sitting out a season? And it's like, I- I'm pretty sure that ship is sailed. Plus, how do you then demote Dennis Allen after, you know, elevating him to a head coach status? Yeah, that would be awkward, wouldn't it? I think, you know, one of the few good things that has come out of this rough start is people, there's been some respect put on Sean Payton's name. Right. Right. Uh, because when he left, uh, the the disrespect was palpable. Like it was like, oh, we're better off now. And my like, guys, <laughs> I need you to understand that that most NFL teams don't feel this good about their franchise for 16 consecutive seasons. Right? There are down points, um, and the fact that the Saints have largely been able to avoid that. Right? Seven and nine was the low point. Um, most teams don't get that. Most teams go bottom of the barrel. Most teams are ending up picking in the top ten of the draft because they played badly. You know and 
Uh, the Saints never had that. And, you know, this is a season where you might be in danger of that, right? If things continue on the path they're going, this could be a team that is at the bottom of the standings and doesn't have a first-round pick. So just, uh, yeah. Those lucky Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> yes. I uh, want to hear from you, Houdat Nation. Give us a call on the Oakland Hard Jewelers Talk and Text Line, 504-260-1870. He's Jeff Nowak. I'm Steve Geller here on First Take here on WWL Saints Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast it's definitely nice having him back a guy with his talent you know it doesn't everything doesn't always have to be perfect and he can find a way to um, make plays and so, I mean, we're, we welcome him back with open arms. Back with open arms. That's uh, Andy Dalton talking about the return of Alvin Kamara to the lineup. And, yeah, I think that was big right there. It's a guy – Nothing. it doesn't have to be perfect for Alvin. He's a guy that just can make things happen. And hopefully we see that because I thought he was going to be a big factor last weekend, unfortunately not able to go against the Minnesota Vikings. And this Seattle Seahawks defense pretty much uh, right for the taking for a guy like Alvin Kamara who's had success against them in the past. Yeah, I think success might be an understatement. <laughs> I mean, last year he had 10 catches for 128 yards. Um, I think nine of those came in the first half, nine, nine of the catches and a touchdown because they clamped him. They bracketed him in the second half of that game. And when you're bracketing a running back, that makes life a lot easier on everybody else. Uh, that was a 13-10 to 10 game. If you go back and watch the tape, the only reason it was a 13-10 to 10 game was because Kenny Stills and Kevin White couldn't catch passes. And, you know, when you can incorporate Alvin Kamara into the offense and do it the way it should happen, which is throwing him the football, 
then you are a much better football team. The same thing happened in 2019. That was that week three game with Teddy Bridgewater making his first start in relief of Drew Brees. Um, at that, you know, and, and I feel very similar about this matchup as I did in 2019, which is like you got to win this game because uh, it's not going to get any easier, guys. This is a game you have to win. And they won that game, and they got things back on track. I think they won the next six games. And you felt a lot better about everything once you were able to just get a win and prove that you can win. Um, who knows how long Jameis is going to be out. Hopefully it's not too long, and you can make things work with Andy Dalton. But you got to find a way to win a game. I've had a few people come to me and say, like I tweeted basically, like if you can't win this game, you know, it starts to feel really bleak about what your long-term prospects are in this season. And then people were like, well, you, this is a game where you're losing, missing five starters and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you shouldn't feel too bad if you can't win this game. They're like, no, this is a backup league. This is the NFL. If you can't win games when your players are hurt, then you're going to be waiting a long time to, to get a game where all of your starters are healthy, right? That just doesn't happen once you get midway into the season. You know, it's rare to go into a game where you only have like one or two people missing with injuries. Going to head out to a quick break. When we come back, we'll go into Mike Dettelier's notebook, WWL's Mike Dettelier, giving us some insight on some Seattle players going into this matchup against the Saints here on WWL Saints Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Back on first take, getting you ready for week five, Saints versus Seattle Seahawks in the Caesar Superdome. Welcoming in now, WWL's Mike Dettelier. Mike D's Notebook brought to you by the Sports Medicine Center of Thibodeau Regional Health System. Good morning, Mike. How is your game day going thus far? Doing well, man, doing well. But we haven't kicked off yet, so uh, let's find out. Yeah, amen to that. And it's going to be interesting today. I'm really curious to see one big matchup on the field, and that's going to be Marshawn Lattimore against DK Metcalf. We saw Lattimore get a little cook last week against Justin Jefferson. Can he rebound uh, in this game? But, man, DK Metcalf is no joke to go against. No. uh, Man, you know, just – Deuce and I were talking about this uh, during the week that uh, he came to Manning, him and A.J. Brown. Um, they hadn't had a wide receiver duo hit Manning like that since, uh, uh, you know, OBJ and, and Je- uh, Jarvis Landry came uh, one time uh, to work. And just to see him really up close and personal, he's a really big man. I mean, he looks like a defensive end, yeah. uh, to be honest with you. But, you know, long, tall guy, can stretch the field, has got great foot speed. Um, now, a lot of people, I thought he was a first-round pick talent. How he got 
to fall that far into round two. I never, never. It really was a strange draft that you sort of pegged him as maybe he was a little stiff. He didn't run certain routes, that sort of thing. All I know, he's a big play guy. Every time he hits the field, he makes a ton of big plays, and he can stretch the field with his foot speed. So, yeah, he's he's different than Jefferson in a lot of ways, but, uh, man, he is a guy that with the ball in his hands, he's dangerous, and he doesn't have to be open to come up with the catch because of his size and his length. I mean, it's just – uh, he, he's an interesting player in that, man, he gives you everything he's got on every play. There's no quitting him. And, yeah, it was gonna, it's going to be a back-to-back uh, tough test for Lattimore, and I suspect that that's who they're going to have uh, sort of shadowing D.K. Metcalf the entire game. And normally we don't see that from Lattimore, for him to play like that. But every once in a while somebody's got your number. I don't care how good you are. Um, and his number got pulled last week. Man, Jefferson was just fabulous. But I think he bounced back in a big way. But they're different receivers. And because of the size and length of uh, DK Metcalf, he presents a lot of challenges going up against him. Yeah, I think uh, if you want to use the Cam Jordan line, the King Orc Smurf is uh, what he <laughs> called him last year. Now, I, I do think it's an interesting matchup, and I, I think Lattimore has over the years, I think we've seen that he is more effective in the kind of knockdown, drag-out matchups, you know, the Mike Evanses, the DK Metcalfs, and he seems to struggle a little more with the more technical wide receivers, right? Justin Jefferson isn't trying to push you out of the way. He's trying to set you up and run the other direction, and so I think – to me, that's what it looks like. When I see Marshawn go up against DK, I think they match up a little better. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think the physicality, he, he likes to kind of get in the chest of a receiver and sort of mess around with your route real quickly. Uh, right off the bat, he's done that with Evans. And so I think it's similar. The only thing, though, uh, with DK, and I see that chemistry between him and Geno, is that Gino will put a ball up in flight and almost say, DK, go up and get it. You know, and sometimes even when you open, you know, you he's not really open, but he comes up with a catch because of his athleticism. He can make that big play. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And, and he's just kind of part of it. The one thing, and I'll never forget uh, Coach O, uh, who coached with Pete Carroll at USC, would say that, Every year they'd go out to try to find a big, tall receiver. And I think back at a Mike Williams at USC, who was built a certain way. He was similar size-wise to DK. They always had that type wide receiver. And so DK sort of fits what he did back at his in the heyday when he was coaching uh, at uh, Southern California. And it sort of Get up in the air, go make a play. Doesn't necessarily have to be open. Go, just go up and make a play. You know, just kind of shifting course here. Um, still talk, sticking on the Seahawks. You know, one of the interesting players, I think, he did play in last year's matchup, but he was out snapped by Alex Collins. I think he was still coming back from an injury at that point. It was Rashad Penny, you know, former first round draft pick. This is a guy who, you know, out of San Diego State, teams expected him to be a legitimate NFL talent, um, and he just hadn't 
gotten a chance. You know, he sat behind Chris Carson for a while, and Chris Carson, seventh-round pick, um, you know, outperformed his draft slot by a mile. He was in the same draft as Alvin Kamara, if you want to believe that. Um, and so, but Rashad Penny is finally getting that chance to be that featured running back, and I think he's showed pretty well. What have you seen from him, uh, you know, the first four weeks of the season? Yeah, having watched him at San Diego State, he was a great all-purpose back as a runner and a receiver coming out the backfield. Um, he's the type of guy that, okay, he'll gain three, he'll gain four the next play. It's 16 yards downfield, then he'll get a 20. Then, it, you know, he just keeps sort of banging away at you. He's always been that type back. Early on in his career, he had some injuries. And Carson, who is was strictly north-south, there was no wiggle in him. He was a straight-up-the-field runner. Man, Pete liked that because, again, I go back to those Southern Cal days. You know, he had Reggie Bush, Lindell White. They want to run the ball. That's what Pete has always kind of built his offenses around. He had Marshawn Lynch. And he thought that Penny could be that type of back. And he never was until we saw it late last year. He got off and to end the season, three straight 100-yard gains. And then last week, again, it was against Detroit. Man, he he got off again with it. And uh, he's got some wiggle, but he is kind of a north-south, hit the hole. And then once he's there, then he's got another speed gear to kick into and break out into the open field. He's also a really good receiver coming out of the backfield. Can he hold up? Because that's been the issue for him in the NFL. Uh, he's always seemingly had something physically that has bothered him. But when he's healthy, Rashad Penny's a really good player. And we saw it last week uh, against the Lions, him just go off. And they, he was gashing them. And the surprising part was they were doing this with two rookie tackles. And they weren't – those guys aren't noted as run blockers. Uh, you think about Charles Cross, who's the left tackle. He came out of Mississippi State. And Abraham Lucas from Washington State. They both from air raid teams. You know, it is the leech kind of effect. Throw the football all over the field. It's more about pass protection. But, man, they, they were coming off the ball real strong. And they gave Penny a little bit of room, and that's all he needs. So, I think he's the big key today. I really believe that. That Stop him. Slow him down. Make sure he's not gashing you. Because when that happens, then you're in for a long day. But if you can stop him, my thing is, if Geno Smith's going to be the dude to beat me, <laughs> God bless him. But I'm not going to let Penny be the main part of that. And I think last week the Lions kind of did some things of not trying to slow down Penny and just trying to put pressure on Geno, and it didn't work. So I think he's the key guy offensively. And I think running back has always been the key position in any Pete Carroll coach team offensively. They want to run the football and set the tempo and keep your offense off the field. Mike, looking at these uh, opponent rosters week to week, 
you always like to point to some of the LSU players that are on there. And Seattle on offense has guard Damian Lewis. I was really surprised to see uh, defensive tackle Al Woods is still in the league, uh, was actually on the Saints for a while. And then obviously safety Jamal Adams, who was a big loss for this team uh, right now uh, with an injury. I know he had surgery recently and is progressing well, but man, not having Adams in, in that t- on that defense is a real big hit for Seattle. Yeah, man, let me tell you about Al Woods. You talk about one <laughs> of the nicest dudes you ever want to meet. Uh, it's Al Woods. And man, he's a survival, right? Yeah. You know, he has survived in this week at a position that you don't normally get that type of length uh, when you're talking about playing time. And he came into the league uh, from LSU a super highly recruited football player for LSU didn't play a lot early and got to play some late in his career, but man, he has stretched it out well, but uh, God bless him, man, to play this long. Uh, It's a big loss for Seattle not to have Jamal because their defenses really have always been built around the safeties. And when you think about it, USC had Troy Polamala, you know, and at Seattle, he had Earl Thomas. And, you know, uh, Cam Chancellor, those defenses in Seattle and at, when he was coaching at USC were built around the safeties. And he used to kind of mix and match a lot with the safeties. And Jamal could do this, his, his ability to get pressure as a pass rusher coming off the edge. And you look at that team, they don't have one guy that you can say for sure and that guy's going to give me a lot of problems as a pass rusher. Jamal would have been that guy, and he's done it. They would blitz him a lot. Uh, not having him in the lineup's a big loss for Seattle. Uh, and Jamal's now, and he's had a ton of injuries the last couple of years. And, boy, once you start to get him, Steve, then, man, it's difficult to kind of unplug it. It seems to be one injury after another after another. When they gave up everything they gave up for Jamal uh, to get him away from New York, from the Jets, that's what they envisioned for him to be an Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor type guy. Um, It just hasn't worked out because physically he hasn't held up. That's a big loss for them because he was the guy that they were counting on to get extra edge pressure. And it's something that uh, the Seahawks have not been able to generate with that front four. You know, Mike, when I go back and look at that that Lions box score, that Seahawks Lions box score, the thing that pops out obviously forty eight to forty five, which is a crazy number. But also, you know, TJ Hawkinson, eight catches, hundred and seventy nine yards and two touchdowns. And, you know, for you look at the Saints, a team that really hasn't incorporated their tight ends, whether it be Adam Troutman, whether it be Jawan Johnson, whether it be if you want to call Taysom Hill a tight end, I don't think he's really played like a tight end to this point is this a game where you know maybe Andy Dalton can get Adam Troutman a little more involved because that's that's the part of the offense that I feel like has been very very underserved from a from a from a yardage from a target perspective to this point yeah and again we saw a little bit more of it last week with Troutman and Jawan Johnson uh involved more in the offense and uh if you you go back to those Cincinnati days uh Andy Dalton had Tyler Eifert uh, former Notre Dame tight end who put up some nice numbers. Problem with Eifert was keeping him on the field because man, he had injuries every year and, and during the season. But 
Andy likes to throw the football to the tight end as an outlet. And I think you're going to see more and more of them try to pump the football downfield to the tight end with Andy. It's a comfort zone for him. He feels like, okay, I got that little outlet to have that mismatch downfield with the tight end. So I'd agree with you, Jeff, that I think you're going to see more of it uh, go to the tight end and getting Troutman more involved because that was his strength when he was in college. He was a pass catcher. Uh, He wasn't noted as a a run blocker or a pass protector. Now, when you look at him in the NFL, he's been a better run blocker than he's been a receiver. So he sort of flipped the pancake on you as a (laughs) – uh, from a scouting report standpoint, but well, you saw him last week. He got involved in the passing game. So uh, we know Johnson, that's his forte. He's got to be able to catch the football and be that target downfield. And I think Andy's sort of used to that, and he'll try to get him the football. And I think you're going to see the tight ends used a lot. But they got to find a way to get Taysom Hill more touches as a runner and a receiver. Uh, this offense, Kamara uh, to me, he's the straw that turns to drink. But Taysom Hill is a guy that's a playmaker, and they've got to figure out a way to have him more touches out on that football field. Talking to WWL's Mike Dettelier and wondering how you're feeling about this game today. I know it's tough with this squad because, you know, can they fix the penalties? Can they stop turning the ball over uh, but come into this matchup as a five-point favorite against a 2-2 two and two Seattle squad that's looked dangerous? And uh, just wondering, you know, what's your gut telling you heading into this matchup? Desperate teams normally play all out. <laughs> right. You know, is, is there a more desperate team now? Uh, than the Saints, they understand uh, they they can't follow one and four, just can't do it. And so I think you're going to have a lot of effort here. I, I think this is a close game now, and I'm surprised that number has sort of stayed the way it has because uh, I always thought that this would be more of a field goal type game between the two teams. Agreed. Uh, but man, uh, that five point at some places is five and a half. Uh, tells you that um, they got a lot of confidence the Saints will play well at home, and yet we know the last eight games have been two wins, six losses. Man, you tell that to people away from New Orleans, they like, well, can't be. But it, it's reality. This team, the last eight games, have not played well in the Dome and have not come out with a W. But today, I think it changes. I think the Saints pull out the, the win to game against Seattle. But I think it's going to be a tough win, a uh, hard-fought win. But you know what? Get the W. Find a way to win. Because you can't win two games unless you win the first one. <laughs> first. And that's the way you got to do it today. Amen to that, Mike. I'm hoping we get back into that win column as well. Mike D's Notebook brought to you by the Sports Medicine Center of Thibodeau Regional Health System. Appreciate it and hear from you more uh, coming up next on the Bud Light Countdown to Kickoff, which starts at 10 a.m. Back on first take and the Oakland Heart Rolex time check is three hours, four minutes before kickoff in the Caesar Superdome between the one and three Saints and two and two Seahawks. Okay, we have a quick segment here, so I want to get into something that's been bugging me. Yeah. I was driving in, I saw a Seahawks fan who was wearing a jersey. said it had number 12 <laughs> on it. It said fan on the back. Now, I get it. You're trying to do the whole 12th. With the number 12th man, yeah, right. But, like, 
you're if you're calling yourself the twelfth fan, that means that there are eleven other fans ahead of you. Like if you're the twelfth man, that means that there's eleven players, right? And then you are the twelfth because you're impacting the game, and so you're the twelfth man. That's what Texas A&M does. If you're the twelfth fan, then what happened to the other eleven? That's my big question. Yeah, my, my thing was I, I I agree there. It's like it should have said man at least, not it fan. Doesn't but, make sense. But maybe his name last name was Fan. Yes, maybe it's just Dave Fan. Dave Fan Seattle. We we saw you out there this morning. Yeah, but it's funny because these are expensive jerseys. It cost it was like the legit NFL jersey. It's like one hundred and thirty dollars, and it's like if you're gonna get a custom jersey, why not put your name on it? Yeah, exactly. I but like I said, Dave Fan, Dave we, fan. we saw you. Sorry, Dave. Uh, with this Seattle team coming in, uh, obviously they're two and two. Saints one and three, and a three game losing skid for this squad. And you mentioned it earlier; they could easily be four and zero. Oh, they could easily be zero oh and four. Uh, the correcting of the mistakes on penalties with turnovers, uh, you got to wonder how this team really addressed that during the week of practice. How do you hone in? Uh, I, I think fixing the penalty issues a little bit more than maybe ball security. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, there were a couple rough penalties in that game, right? So that, that's the weird part. Is exactly. Like you're trying to fix penalties, but the the for for example. The ineligible man downfield penalty on Cesar Ruiz <clears throat> on that first drive was a bad call. Yeah. That was not an eligible man downfield. It got called because, you know, and I guarantee this is what happened. Andy Dalton was so far away from the line of scrimmage by the time he threw the ball that you would look at it and you were like, there's no way Cesar Ruiz isn't past the line of scrimmage or at least more than a yard. But when you kind of look at it, he's like six feet or six inches beyond the 24-yard line, and that's where you snapped the ball from. And that's when you got called, right? And so those are like you can't fix that. There's nothing you can do to fix that penalty. Sure. To be fair, though, they did get away with uh, the trip on Demario Davis. Right. There was a few that you get away with, but it's like when you're trying to fix stuff, it's like okay, you have to target. <laughs> what did we actually do wrong? Yeah. And what can we fix? I don't think you're trying to fix that trip because got away with it, right? Like that was a play you had to make because I'm pretty <laughs> sure Delvin Cook scores the touchdown if he doesn't trip him. And it's like, hey, maybe they call it, maybe they don't. But like, so there are things you have to hone in on because these are things you can clean up versus like. You can't help yourself. You can't help the refs when they're calling calls that don't exist. I don't know. It's tough. You just got to figure it out. Yeah, to me, the the whole turnover issue. I'm just wondering if you know you have guys walking around the facility like you did back in high school days with the with the you know the ball in their hand. You go by them trying to knock it out. Everyone's you know trying to hold on tight for the ball security. But we haven't really seen like just one specific person having the fumbling issues. It's been a variety of guys. Everybody. Yes. Well, we got another hour coming up of First Take. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak here on WWL. Give us a call on the Oakland Hard Jewelers Talk and Text Line. Want to hear from you, 504-260-1870. Coming back with more after the break on WWL Saints Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.